Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Volume. No! Oh my God! How could he do that? Are you on Charles Darwin. The nerves is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brebber and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we are doing a mailbag episode. These have proven to be a lot of fun so far. You guys cook up a lot of awesome questions. Of course, we won't be able to get to all of your guys' questions, but we will get to as many as we can. Real quick, before we get into that, just want to shout out that we have a bunch of content that has come out over the last couple days and will come out over the next couple. Logan and I have both done video essays on our YouTube. I did one on the Knicks. He just did one on Kobe White's breakout season. And we're going to be going on Jason Timpf's show later today. So if you want some more basketball talk from us, that will be up soon as well. To the questions, Logan. We start off with a heater coming to us from Air Gordon on Twitter. What is Nikola Jokic's ceiling in the all-time basketball pantheon, and what does he need to do to sneak into the top 10? What do you think he means by ceiling? Like, where he can reach? How high can he climb in the all-time rankings? I think Nikola Jokic could be the greatest player that ever lived, man. I mean, I don't Hmm. know if that sounds ridiculous. This is the most competitive era of basketball ever. This is the most talented era of basketball ever. And I think to answer the second part of that question, to sneak into the top 10... One more ring is the guy, and I think you're talking about him potentially being there. Like, the guys on the fringes for me right there are, like, Hakeem Olajuwon, right? And I think when you looked at Hakeem climbed the mountain twice, got finals MVP, was unequivocally the best player on the planet for those two seasons, I think he could do it. So I think one more ring would get him into those conversations uh, somewhere close into the top 10. Probably wouldn't be top 10 for me, but he'd be very close, and then... I don't know about you, Carson. I mean, maybe he can't be the GOAT because of his defensive limitations. Maybe he'll always be outside of the top three considering the value of guys like Kareem, MJ, or LeBron. But I think top five is certainly attainable for Nikola Jokic all time. I think you hit on a key point at the end there. And I would say that his ceiling is probably four all time, maybe three. And the reason that I feel that way is that the 
two-way impact that we have from the top two guys. Those are tier one offensive players ever, Michael Jordan and LeBron James, and they are also all-time greats in terms of their defensive impact. And when you're looking at the one side of the ball is generational, like they are arguably the greatest ever on that side of the ball, it's Bill Russell defensively, passable offensively. It's Magic Johnson offensively, passable defensively. And I think that Jokic is very much going to be in that Magic mold. And I think he is actually a greater offensive player right now. And I think you could argue that he has more of a defensive impact with his incredible rebounding value, with uh, his instincts, his hands. It's close. So he can climb that mountain. But the thing is, Magic had to do a whole lot of winning basically every single year of his career. So I can see him surpassing those one-way giants where it gets really tough is when you're talking about guys who both sides of the ball were all-time dominant every year of their career. Kareem, I do think there is a path because Kareem only has the one title outside of Magic and Jokic is very likely never going to be paired with a superstar talent period, much less a top five player of all time. We haven't even seen him play with an all-star up to this point. I love Jamal Murray, but he's never made a freaking all-star team. So if Jokic wins a couple more titles as the lone superstar, that would be the path to passing Kareem. Again, we're talking about ceiling here, and I hate to put any ceiling on my boy, but the GOAT path is just tough for me because even if he's clearly the greatest offensive player ever, will he have that advantage by enough to surpass the two-way edges that you have from LeBron and MJ, who every single year were just such dominant forces? I would say no. Just another feather in our cap for uh, expanding the all-star team. The fact that Jamal Murray has yet to make an all-star game. Man. True. I, you know, I, I know his regular season production hasn't been there, man, but Jamal has certainly had seasons where he's been deserved uh He's, he's earned an all-star nod, bro. Well, Expand the all-star team, man. We got to make the push, Carson. Maybe back in the day, but honestly, Jamal is prone to his off nights. And said Jamal he's coast. been hurt. Listen, there's nobody who loves Jamal more than me. I have owned a shirt that says this guy <laughs> loves Jamal Murray for like five years. I'm just saying, I don't think that he's actually had that all-star campaign yet, but absolutely, we should expand the all-star game. Regardless, we saw that with some of the snubs. To get to the top 10, I don't know if you can put like super specific criteria because it's always going to depend on the nature of how he does it, right? If he has another finals run like last year where he averages 30, 13, and 10 on 63% true shooting and blows through the field, that alone might be enough. That and sustaining multiple more years of play at this level, I think would probably be enough. I mean, right now in that 10 spot for me, it's Steph. And I think the Jokic right now is better than Steph has ever been. But the difference is just Steph has sustained it for longer at this point. Okay. If you could move one player to any NBA team, who would you move where and why? This is from Milky Way. This is a fantastic question. It's a fun one. I think I have two answers. I think my first is I would move Laurie Markin into the Warriors just because I think that would be sexual. I think yeah, that would yeah. be a, a sexual basketball combination with mm -hmm. Steph, Clay. Uh, ugh, I'm getting, I'm getting kind of, I'm getting All right, uh, aroused, man. Family um, program. Jeez, that's just, <laughs> you keep saying that, dude. Settle down. The other one, I think, I don't know if it was Jason or Colin who pitched this. I would say LeBron to the Knicks really intrigues me. Jason. We could do like a, a straight up Julius Randle for LeBron swap. That would make my dreams come true. 
That would be so, so phenomenal. I agree completely. LeBron could fit in so seamlessly in that super physical big forward. I think it would be great for him to be paired again with a dynamic perimeter shot maker. A little bit reminiscent of the Kyrie days in that sense. I think that he could certainly do more for you defensively when he wants to. Talking about in the playoffs than Julius Randle as a low man and whatnot. That would just be fantastic. The other LeBron location that I would highlight... Just because this is a topic now, I don't think LeBron is going to get traded, but he's doing his thing, man. He's perhaps the greatest dramatic playwright of our generation. He knows how to stir up the drama, man. Hourglass emoji. Why is he sitting against the Celtics? Seeing him on the Warriors would be insane. There's no practical way to make that Mm -hmm. trade happen, but good Lord, him and Steph playing together, out in transition, the pick and roll game they could untap. And just imagine, just imagine if after all these years as adversaries, they became teammates. I actually wouldn't love it from that perspective. That would feel kind of weird, but they're old now. They're old and they're still this good. What about LeBron in Denver? That's stupid. That's OP. That's not fun. (laughs) Like it needs to be somewhere where he takes them up a level, right? If Mm -hmm. you swap out Julius Randle for LeBron James, the Knicks might become the title favorite Mm -hmm. they are certainly in the top three they're in that tier with denver and boston at the very least whereas right now with julius randall it's like he is the one thing holding me back from absolutely loving that team i also had marking into the warriors i also had marking into the thunder so we're thinking similarly there it would just be so fun to see him on a legitimately really good team because his skill set is so conducive to fitting in he doesn't need the ball a lot he brings size to any team that would be a whole lot of fun all right this is a really interesting one from 14th rambo if every nba team lost their best player and whoever their backup is is inserted with no other roster changes, who are the favorites? Wow, this is an interesting one. I might need to ponder this for a second. Okay, I think there's a pretty obvious answer, so I'll lay it out. Boston. It's Boston by a thousand, right? Like, think about it. You take away Jason Tatum, you still have a star-level, just pure wing bucket getter and ball handler and physical uh, mismatch attacker in Jalen Brown. And when you take away team's best players like Jalen Brown is now probably one of the best wing scores in the league might be one of the handful of best wing scores in the league you still have multiple guards who can create at a high level Drew Holiday is going to start doing a little bit more offensively again that's fine we've seen him be the number three on a title team in the real league not taking away number one options they still have shooting all over the floor I mean KP would be one of the best bigs in the league in that situation. He still brings all his same value protecting the rim at a high level, dominating out of the post, spacing the floor. That would still be like a really good team. That probably is still like a 47-48 win oh. team. I was going to say that team probably still wins 50 plus games. Yeah, maybe. And in the league where you take away every team's best player, they might win 68, bro. Yeah. So I think it's pretty obvious. I do think like Minnesota would be good. Because that defense would still be pretty great, but they would sorely miss Ant's perimeter creation. They would miss having him as a perimeter defender, too. Call me crazy. I think that if Orlando lost Paolo straight up and everybody else did, I don't think Orlando would be that bad off. Like, I think their depth is really good. I think they're still really huge. Franz Wagner, I really trust as Mm -hmm. as an offensive leader, like... I, not to not to hate Paolo's very very good very very talented and Orlando would take a shot but I still think Orlando would be good and competitive 
They would because of that defensive foundation at the same time. I think that might be the worst offense in the league. Well, maybe not in the league when you take away the number one guy, Mm -hmm. but that would be rough because the spot up shooting is already pretty brutal. You would need Anthony Black to put on his big boy pants and start doing a little bit of creating because I really like Franz, but you know, he couldn't hold it down as mm-hmm. your uh, lone I mean, you star level Anth- creator. You, know, you got Cole you Anthony, Anthony, you got Suggsy, you got Fultz. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a deep team. It is. I think that they would be okay, but obviously they're just coming from a different stratosphere in terms of mm-hmm. talent level right now. So maybe Paolo isn't the most ex- essential at this moment to his team's success, but a team like Boston is just so much more overwhelmingly talented other teams at the top of the league if you took Kawhi off the clippers they would be good not like boston they're just obscene the suns they would still have either kd or book and beal take your pick but they would all have the same issues that they do right now bit undersized wouldn't defend all that well the answer to me has to be boston okay should the Bears trade Justin Fields and to whom slash for what? Asks Stanford Tree. Answer in Spanish, please. Uh, voy a tratar uh, decir en español. Okay, perfecto. Sin, es Buena suerte, amigo. Uh, <laughs> yo practico mucho en mi, uh, en mi trabajo, pero uh, uh, no mucho en la cámara. Estás hablando uh, muy bien, amigo, muy bien. Uh, creo que los Steelers deben, uh, ¿cómo se dice trade en español? Cambiar, cambiar con, uh, con los Steelers. Eh, creo, creo que uh, los Steelers um, cambian con uh, los, um, los Bores. Los Bores. Um, por, no, uh, los Osos. Fields. ¿Los Osos? Sí. ¿Es no Bore? No. No sé qué Damn, estás dude, diciendo calling, con Bore. I've been calling my dog by the wrong name uh, in Spanish sí. for about three years now, man. I've been calling him Bore. No. Uh, eh, um, por un... Um, eh, how do you say round? Damn, man. Ronda. ¿Cómo se dice? Ronda en el 3, ronda. No, ok, uh, no me, entonces no uh, es mucho. Uh, no, no es mucho valor. No quiero, no quiero más uh, un, un primero o segundo, uh, solo uh, tercero, uh, tres. Um, eh, pero me gusta uh, Justin Fields uh, mucho y um, creo que los Steelers uh, cambian. Pienso que deberían cambiarlo con los halcones de Atlanta porque, como, como hemos dicho, sería muy apropiado uh, con los halcones Sabemos que les gusta mucho correr la pelota, uh, entonces sería muy natural en, en ese sistema. Okay, there you go. That's it. That's the Spanish segment for the show. If you don't speak Spanish, that was probably really weird. But guess what? We honor I, uh, the request from our fans. I, I like that. I like that deal. I think I think Fields would be a good fit in Atlanta. And Fields, to me, is a guy uh, that I really do think just needs a change of scenery. You know what I mean? Some guys just yeah. need to, to go to a new spot. He's uber talented big arm super fast uh yeah you got to give him structure though and i think if you give him a really good line good running back play commitment to the run game good receiving weapons like atlanta just makes sense and and that's one of the things that i think we need to emphasize about young quarterbacks it's like the mac jones thing when his offensive coordinator leaves after his first season and then he plummets there's a correlation if you give a young quarterback a good offensive coordinator a good mind he's going to be better obviously like i think fields i think you're exactly right if you give him a coordinator you give him weapons you give him the assets around him i think you can be a really good football team yeah and that's kind of why i like that's why i like pittsburgh the rumors are that we're going to get ryan Tannehill, and if that happens i'm done good man Lord. i'm done yeah that would not be it I do think things can go very south to Justin Fields if he just goes to, like, the Bears 2.0. 
if some team that doesn't have their things in place. I know my boy Mikey, Raiders fan, really wants Justin Fields. Hey, I don't hate that, man. I think the Raiders can make the playoffs with Fields. Maybe. I don't Bro, Devon, think so. Who's their, who's their OC? I kind of like their – they got Kingsbury. They got Antonio Pierce. Yeah. I kind of like what the Raiders are doing down there. I would Better prefer to Chargers see him go to the Falcons. Mark? Where? Better than the Chargers? Settle down. Mark? The Chargers have Jim Harbaugh. They're unbeatable the now. Raiders. Okay, we've got a bunch of questions within a question here from yeah one 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 two two. So we'll quickly run through all these guys. Just give me like a couple sentences, Logan. Wondering what y'all expectations and ceilings for some players are moving forward in their careers. J Dub, the man, the man, perfect third guy, perfect glue guy. He's just a He's so versatile for a, for a forward. You know what I mean? The fact that he can handle, that he can get into the lane, that he can create. He's he's really versatile, and uh, I think he's a really good tertiary or fourth guy. Like the perfect Ooh. tertiary or fourth guy Ooh. that you could have, man. I think you're sleeping on Jada, bro. When you said tertiary to begin with, I was going to say only well, in the paradise the current, that is OKC. Well, that's what I'm saying. In the current construction of their roster with SGA and Chet. He'll never be fourth, though. I mean, I think that J-Dub has an all-NBA kind of ceiling. Not a top 10 kind of guy, probably, but a top 20 kind of guy, absolutely. He is a big-time athlete, awesome vertical finisher around the rim, expert gear changer. He's got a lot of SGA in him, man. The way that they can just freeze you with hesitation and then boom thereby the shot making in the lane the mid-range stuff the use of physicality to create separation the playmaking the defense the pure shooting he's 45 percent from deep he's an efficiency monster i love j-dub i think he is like a five plus time all-star and again if he was on any team other than okc he could not possibly be like the third guy for the future because he is insane and he's part of the reason that i think that team is just gonna stack chips okay jalen green logan i think jalen green's kind of an idiot um, <laughs> I, I think that i mean i don't watching jalen green frustrates me he's really talented he's always been uber talented uh he's like better jordan pool hmm that's that's Jalen Green. Okay, interesting. I can see that. He does have some Jordan Poole shot selection moments. Obviously, just has a different level of athletic tools. Like, the first step from that guy is still, sheesh! And just the fluidity of movement, the bendiness, the athleticism is off the charts. My comparison for him as a prospect was, I hoped, like a better Zach Levine. But I just saw that same scoring profile when you're talking about 99th percentile athlete in terms of explosiveness and what they can do vertically, big-time perimeter shot maker, but some of the stuff on the margins, it's like, okay, he has the athleticism to defend at a high level, will he tap into it? The playmaking eh, is very much a question. And unfortunately, I think he is definitely trending to the wrong end of that spectrum. I thought this is a guy who could be a 30-point-per-game scorer and could impact the game with playmaking and defense if he dials in. Now I'm more seeing a guy who is so oozing with natural talent that he'll be able to get his 23 a game in a situation where it doesn't really matter. And he can probably do it with solid efficiency. But the overall winning impact, I am not optimistic on at this point. Of course, he is still young, but year three, we haven't really seen the progress that I would have liked. And also, versus a Levine, like, I think this is mostly a matter of shot quality, but Zach Levine is consistently 40% from deep. Jalen Green is down at like 33. All right, sticking in the uh, Southwest, Logan, Devin Vassell. What are your expectations? 
I wasn't really big on Devin Vassell a couple of years ago. He's grown on me a lot. I really like him, uh, you know, as an operator out of the pick and roll with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's a good pull-up jump shooter. Yeah. Vassell's crafty. Like, Vassell's really crafty. I, I enjoy watching Devin Vassell play. He's, he's a, a really smooth and aesthetically pleasing basketball player. He gets into the lane. He doesn't take dumb shots. He's a decent playmaker. Expectations on what he becomes... You know, I don't know if there's like a real higher ceiling, you know, a much higher ceiling than what Vassell is doing right now. Like what I mean by that is it's just the context. You know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. he's a real top dog here in San Antonio. I think the ideal role for him is probably as a, you know, as a fourth or fifth guy on a really good team or a sixth guy maybe. But I really Six. like his game. Well, I don't like a really good, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm projecting like a championship winning team. You know what I mean? Uh, in an ideal world. I think he's better Vassell than gets that. buckets though. He's a... I like him out of the pick and roll. I like him as a pull-up jump shooter. He's a, he's a crafty bucket, man, and he's he's gotten a lot better over the past couple seasons. I didn't like Vassell a lot a couple years ago. I really like Vassell. He's grown into his game nicely. He always had that 3 and D skill set, but the fluidity as a ball handler, the comfort as a pull-up shooter, the solid playmaking, all that stuff has been super encouraging. I think he can be the third guy on a contender when Victor Wembanyama is the number one guy. The need that San Antonio just clearly needs to address long-term is that legitimately dynamic creator from the perimeter, that volume pick-and-roll, ball-handling guard, ideally big-time pull-up shooter and playmaker. Like, Vassell is never going to be your number one guy from the perimeter, but he can be your number two guy from the perimeter with Wemby as your superstar on the interior and initiating from the perimeter. But you know what I'm talking about, wings and guards. And, uh... I'm optimistic, and I've always said, like, I like him a lot more than Keldon Johnson. I just think that that continues to ring truer and truer. All right. Yeah. Anthony Simons, Logan. Bucket getter. Yeah. Uh, Carson's been a big Ant Simons guy mm. since uh, since Ant came into the league. Yeah, Ant gets buckets, man. That guy's, that guy's disgusting. He's filthy. Yeah, he is just consistently, like, an elite pick-and-roll monster. I love Ant Simons. I think the question is just going to be, how does his production translate to like a real winning context? Because there's no question that he can give you his 23 and five on pretty good efficiency. I honestly thought that he would be able to do even more this year. It's just going to be, all right, how much does he develop as a playmaker? Can he go from solid to really good there? And then it's going to be how much is he hunted defensively? So, because of some of those reasons, I kind of feel like he's got a little bit of CJ 2.0 to him, man. Where it's like, you want him to be your second perimeter creator, but if you're pairing him with a, another guard who is better than him, another small guard, it's like, alright, well who's going to defend in that backcourt? And so then you prioritize your Damian Lillard over your CJ McCollum. You'll do the same with whoever that guy is versus Anthony Simons, and because of that, maybe... He ends up being a guy who kind of gets moved around a little bit or can put a ceiling on a team. But I love him. I've always loved him. He was one of my favorite dudes in that 2018 draft with Dante DiVincenzo and Chandler mm-hmm. Hutchison Logan. I went two for tell three him, in that draft. Him. Two for three. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. What about Franz, Logan? Franz Wagner. Franz Wagner is the man. Um, I did not like Franz Wagner out of the draft. Mm-hmm. That is one of my biggest whiffs, I think, in my analysis history. Uh, I saw Franz. I think me, you, Carvel all agree. Yeah. Franz is like our, yeah, this guy's cool, but like he's not going to be like, you know, anything special. Yeah. I, I I looked at Franz as a 
kind of versatile do-it-all wing that wasn't going to excel at anything, and I was just completely off base. He's a versatile do-it-all wing that does everything yeah. at a high level. Um, good off-ball and spot-up situations, great at attacking closeouts. He's got a good handle, good feel for the game. A play. Like, Franz is the ideal glue guy wing to me. Like, there's just going to do it all, defend, rebound, play, make, shoot. And he's big, and he's physical, and he's he's great. Franz yeah. is the man, bro. And I think Franz is kind of underrated just because he plays alongside Paolo. Like, I think Paolo gets all of the attention because he was the number one pick to Orlando. Mm-hmm. I think Franz is arguably the best player that the Magic have. Yeah, he just doesn't have Paolo's ceiling because there's a different level of athleticism there but i do think that he is their best player right now he was clearly their best player last year and i didn't love him out of the draft as you said i thought okay here's a guy who's solid at everything what does he do at that a plus level and uh, as you said he does a whole lot of things at at least like a b plus level Uh, i made a video about him last year youtube video i love the guy i think that he fits in any offense he can create he can play off ball he can knock down spot up jumpers his playmaking He's a lot better than just the raw assist numbers will tell you, like his vision at his size, his ability to make a variety of passes out of pick and roll. He's one of the best transition players in the league, consistently gets out there and runs in that open floor. And then that Euro Logan, he's got an elite Euro, defends multiple positions. I I, I love the guy. I think that he is an all-star for years to come. I think that he is a guy who could make an all NBA or two, again, like in that in that third team kind of range. I think he and J Dub have similar ceilings. I think J Dub is it's probably a little bit higher because he's such an exceptional shooter right now and he's a little bit more athletic. But I think both of them are like perfect second, or if you are in a dream world, third guys. Okay, what about Jabari Smith? Jabari Smith has really impressed me, uh, especially with what he did uh in this offseason, he's still super young. I think the thing for Jabari is going to be, it's kind of tough, man, because I think Jabari would have a higher ceiling if he was in a situation that was more inclined to give him touches. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I think he's going to be a really high-level 3 and D wing. I think yeah. he's going to be a great defender. I think he's going to be an elite shooter. And I think slowly over time, what's going to elevate Jabari to the next level is uh, weaponizing his physicality a little more, filling out his frame, because he's, he's, he's a big guy. And I think going on the low block and, like, weaponizing mismatches, doing more, you know, versatile stuff. And, and we've seen flashes of that this season, but I think it's going to be, you know, diversifying his shot palette, mm-hmm. um, becoming more of a bucket from everywhere on the court. But I really love him. Uh, I, I love his ceiling. I think he's a, a winning role player. And I don't mean that as, like, a disrespectful thing. Like, I think he's yeah. a... You know, a number three or a number four on a really good team. But I think he's a winner. And I would take Jabari on my team. It felt like there were two paths for Jabari as a a prospect. There was, like, that high-impact defender and elite shooter. And then there were people who thought, oh, my God, this guy is like a Kevin Durant light. I never saw that because I thought... He doesn't have that fluidity as a mover. He's stiff. He's upright. He's not super comfortable putting the ball on the floor. For all those reasons, I felt that he was probably going to be closer to the first. This offseason, I was encouraged by some of the stuff that we saw from him putting the ball on the floor, showing more diversity as a shot maker. That hasn't panned out into a leap in terms of raw production. But Jabari has been awesome defensively. He's been awesome on the glass. He's been shooting the ball really well, which I always expected him to. Last year was just a weird season for him in that respect. So I agree with you. I think he is not going to be a guy who ever gives you star production from from 
the wing or the four. Uh, I wouldn't expect that, but I think he fits in. He can knock down spot-up jumpers. If he gets a smaller guy, he can hit a turnaround on him. And maybe if he can add some strength, then you start getting more of that mismatch attacking upside. And he can be like a really efficient, maybe 20-point-per-game scorer. But 25, no. Okay, Jeremy Sohan, Logan. Sohan's hard, man. Sohan's... I hated Sohan coming out of the draft, and I thought the Spurs really reached taking him just because I think for any guy in the modern NBA when your scoring skill set is so limited, like Sohan, when I was looking at tape for him in the draft, I was just like, wow, this guy's offensive game is really raw. Can't really Mm -hmm. handle, can't really shoot, lacks any touch, not really a fluid athlete in the sense that he's coordinated. Like There were a lot of red flags to me with Jeremy Sohan's offensive game, but you look at the physical tools. He's a good athlete. He's six foot nine. He's a good defender. So when you look at his all of his impact, I think Sohan could be a winning player, right? I don't want to make any hard conclusions about Sohan because he's twenty years old. I don't know what yeah. the guy's going to become. Uh, for anybody yeah. in this twenty to twenty four year old range, it's hard. You know, they haven't hit their prime yet. You know, so I think there is a path where Sohan becomes a more efficient guy, a really good player, but. And he's always going to be relatively janky offensively. I don't really like him with yeah. the ball in his hands. He is a good defender, though. I'll give him that. He's a good defender. He's a hustle guy. He's a guy who's going to crash the glass. I just think he's a bit of a tweener at the three and the four. Uh, he's more of a four. And then I think that his offensive game is just really too limited for me to ever really fall in love with the guy. Yeah, I'm not a big Sohan guy because of everything that you laid out. It's clunky. It's ugly. It's been good to see that he is shooting the ball so much better this year from deep. Uh, small volume, but I do think that we've seen some growth there. And he's a capable playmaker. I don't think he's a point guard, though. I don't think he's a guy you want to run your offense through long term. And then I think he's a weird fit because he's a non-five who offensively, it's kind of like, all right, what do we do with this guy? He's not super skilled, natural from the perimeter. But defensively, he's going to have an impact. He's a dog. Uh, I'm okay with Sohan, but I think there are situations. And when you look at that guy and you're like, all right, he might be unplayable. If that team doesn't have enough offensive skill around him, it's like, we can't really afford to have a Jeremy Sohan out there. If you've got four out alongside him and you've got a star guard and a star wing, then he's the kind of guy who can make a real winning impact with the little things. I think his career is going to be situationally dependent because of that. All right. We're going through so many of these guys. These were interesting though. Bilal Koulibaly, Logan. I like Koulibaly a lot, man. I'm, he's he's a little bit further along than than I expected. Uh, yeah, good defender. Solid, actually, not even good defender. I, for for how young Bilal Koulibaly is, it is remarkable how far along he is as a defensive prospect. Freak like, defender. He's long as hell. He's athletic as hell. He's tall. He's young. Like I, I just think he's a stopper right now, and I'm taking that. And his offensive game, I love him in transition. Uh, his strides, his handle in space, he's nice. Yeah. If that shot translate, like I think Koulibaly's got a very high role player ceiling, like in a, a OG and a Nobi kind of role is is, is the way I would mm. co- uh, compare him. Is like at, at, the, at the peak of his powers, I think, and maybe he could even be better. He's again, he's a very very young guy. For how far along he is defensively with these athletic tools, I, I'm very high on Koulibaly in the future. I thought the Wizards reached. I still kind of feel like that, just considering that I think they need guys who can play now. But Koulibaly is a lot further along than I expected in the draft. I thought he was really raw. He's nowhere near as, as raw as I thought in the draft. Yeah, we saw some shooting progress from him throughout last year, but overall the results were not that encouraging. But I thought it was a reach at the time too. 
but he's playing well in the league at barely 19 years old. Taylor Hendricks and Jarris Walker, like, can't get on the floor right now. So uh, I'm encouraged by Koulibaly. That pick has grown on me. I am impressed by the shot. The defensive tools are insane and always have been. And I think he's looked a little bit more comfortable and fluid as a ball handler than I might have expected. So I can't like necessarily put concrete expectations on him because it's probably going to depend on, okay, how much can he grow as a creator? Where I didn't have that much optimism as a prospect. My optimism is growing a bit. I still don't think he's going to be like a star bucket getter playmaker kind of type. But maybe... Maybe it's like Macal Bridges, right? Where it's, okay, as a role player, he can excel off ball and defensively. And if you give him his own team, like he can get you buckets, but he's not maybe going to be there as a playmaker. Uh, I could see that sort of path for him. Regardless, though, I think he's going to be a good, impactful basketball player. Jalen Johnson, Logan. I mean, come on. This is a nerd-sesh guy through and through. Uh, Carson and I have uh, been doing the show for a long time. Jalen Johnson is an OG nerd-sesher. We liked him all the way back at Duke. And... A lot. That's that's what was so puzzling about Jalen Johnson's slip, is he, he checked so many boxes. Great mm-hmm. defender, great rebounder, tall, long, strong, uh, and he's great in transition. And there was a different and like so. So maybe you look at a guy like Sohan and you go, so why don't you like a guy like Sohan uh, when Jalen Johnson, right? Both limited offensively. Jalen always had a different level of of ball handling, of playmaking, oh, yeah. of fluidity to me that separated him from Sohan. Where you're like, man, this guy's a real athlete, a real. He just had a different level of control. Like I just trusted Jalen. He had a, a a level of composure that you just don't get with young players that you saw at Duke at you know 19 years old, and you saw flashes of the offensive game. It wasn't carved out, and I, I love. That he gets to play with a guy like Trey Young where he doesn't have to do... He can be the supplementary guy. He can be the second mm-hmm. guy that is setting up, that is teeing up. Like I think he is a uh, a player made in the lab to fit alongside a guy like Trey Young, a star guard. Um, and now with what yeah. he's doing, shooting, he's just efficient, man. He, he doesn't make dumb plays. He gets into the yeah. lane. If the guy's there, he's kicking it out. Jalen Johnson plays beautiful basketball, man. Carson did a breakdown also of him, if you guys want to check that out. Uh, great breakdown. Jalen Johnson is the man and i'm so glad that we're finally seeing this come to fruition he is the perfect number three long term for any basketball team so impressive what he's done this year awesome size and athleticism really good rebounder good playmaker defends both the perimeter and the interior very well awesome elite athlete in transition can play make out there as well can knock down shots and spot up situations can work as a screener he's just an all-around winning impact guy who doesn't need to dominate the ball but is going to be hyper efficient and do the two-way stuff my comparison for him in that video and like the archetype that i see him filling long time is an aaron gordon type maybe it doesn't look exactly the same because gordon is so massive so much of what he does is predicated upon just that sheer physical imposition uh johnson has a different kind of elite athleticism there's similarity but the big forward who was impacting the game in every way and maybe doesn't have that crazy raw production on the stat sheet, but he can be the third guy on a title team. And maybe there are stretches where you're like, is he the second most impactful? Because he's doing so many different things so well. I think that that is a very valuable mold. And I think that Jalen Johnson epitomizes that as much as a young guy can, at least. All right, Logan, Jonathan Kaminga, who my goodness has been on a heater 
What's your take? Yeah, I don't know if this is still standing. There was a stretch, I believe this was like a week ago, where he was averaging like 15 point uh, paint points per game. It, it, was, it was a ridiculous run. I mean, that's what he wants. He's an athletic freak, man. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I, Jason did a breakdown the other day. Like, I do think Jonathan's on a, a star level trajectory. It's ridiculous. Uh, if this young, I don't know, man. I mean, the Warriors are going to have to start thinking about. Is is it decision time, Carson? Is it decision time? I mean, yeah, I think Kaminga is going to be a, a beast, man. He, you're right, dude. He just he gets whatever he wants, bro. I, I'm glad that it's finally happening now because we've just been waiting for two years, you know, uh, mm-hmm. waiting to finally get some signs of life from Kaminga. I think he is close to an All NBA All Star ceiling somewhere in there, man. I, I believe in Kaminga like that. Yeah, one of the great regrets of my life was that when we went on Jason's show and we were talking about a potential Kaminga to the Nets trade, I said, I find it highly unlikely that he's as good a player as Mikal Bridges. And immediately I was like, all right, let me change that to unlikely because he has that just A-plus athleticism. He always has. When he was a prospect, I made a video about him as a rookie year, and I was like, I think this dude today is one of the handful of craziest raw athletes in the NBA. It's just a matter of channeling that. And I literally meant handful. That wasn't just offhand. I'm saying like five, top five craziest athletes. Elite strength, elite first step for a wing, elite vertical pop. And he is just tapping into all of that right now. He's a bully, man. He gets where he wants on the floor. Post-ups, isolations. Last seven games, 25 points per game on 70% true shooting. He's been shooting really well in that stretch from the perimeter. That's always going to be the one thing with him. And I still may not be as high on Kaminga as some because I think that the raw athleticism is really the basis of everything. He needs to be more consistent as a shooter. He needs to grow as a playmaker. So I would say all NBA to me is a long shot just because of that because you have to be a, a complete basketball player in a way that Kaminga isn't yet. But I think that he's going to be like a top 50 kind of guy because the athleticism is just insane. He's already playing at a really high level. And I think it's controversial. If I were the Warriors, I would still probably trade him just because I don't think he is that primary building block for the future and you have Steph Curry. But you better be getting a lot back if you're trading Jonathan Kaminga at this point. And I don't think they will find that package. So I don't think they will. But if the right package came along, I still would, which I know a lot of people will disagree with. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NERDS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and Deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Okay, this one comes from Ian Eldridge, Logan. Who's the most overrated current NFL player that you will fight the good fight against? I mean, guys, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but there are two guys that come to the forefront of my mind, and it's always who we point to. It's Tua Tagovailoa and it's Brock Purdy. Uh, I just think that they're so polarizing. They are so controversial. Uh, 
hey, guys, we don't have to do this thing where the quarterback of the team that goes to the Super Bowl is an elite quarterback. Like, Carson, imagine if social media was as prevalent as it was in 2000. We'd be calling mm. Kerry Collins and Trent Dilfer elite quarterbacks. Can you guys imagine? <laughs> like, can we just appreciate for once how stacked the 49ers team is? Elite offensive line. Big old Trent Williams, the best lineman in the game. Oh, my gosh. The best running back in football in Christian McCaffrey. Oh, my God, dude. They've got the best tight end in football in George Kittle. Oh, my gosh, dude. I think they have the best middle linebacker in football in Fred Warner. Dude, I think they have yeah. the best defensive front in football with Chase Young, Eric Armstead, and Nick Bosa. Like, guys, the Niners are loaded. Brock Purdy is not an elite quarterback. Deal with it. I don't care what you have to say. Even if he wins a Super Bowl, man, he's not Joe Montana. He's not Steve Young. He's on a loaded roster, and he's a good quarterback. I'll give him that. But to the people that elevate him to elite conversations, I think you're uh, you're off base. And then Tua, Tua is not good. I, I would take Baker Mayfield over Tua. Tua can be successful. Um, how, do, how do I phrase this? Tua can be... You can't be successful in spite of Tua. You have to elevate Tua. Tua mm-hmm. You're not going to be good if Tua is not, if you're not dragging him along. If Tua has to go above and beyond, like, I, I am slowly souring on Tua even being a above average quarterback. I think Tua is either mm-hmm. average or below average. We have seen his limitations exposed on the biggest stages. And uh, I know those are the two guys we always talk about. And so I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but those are the two guys that I point yeah. to. I don't want to beat a dead horse either. But I guess I will just for a second here. I think that it's probably Purdy just because people have cooled off on Tua. Like, having a bad game in the playoffs will basically ruin your reputation for an offseason. And Tua's going through that right now, I think. And I do think that Purdy is better than Tua because he has that playmaking gene and that play extension that we've talked about. But it is different. Like... The Dolphins aren't so overwhelmingly great that if two is bad, they can still win. And I'm not saying that Brock Purdy has been bad for the last two games because he's made big, clutch, timely plays. But for a lot of the game, he's been bad. It's been a very polar experience, and the Niners are still able to win because of him making timely plays, but also because of all the stuff around him. I think you could also say that Purdy's underrated in some circles. The people who think that he sucks, that he's a bum, I don't think that that's accurate either. I think Brock Purdy is a slightly above average league starter in NFL heaven. I think that eventually against a great team, like probably the chiefs going up against that defense and a quarterback duel with Patrick Mahomes, some of the stuff that uh, can go South with him will be exposed and they won't be able to overcome it. So that's where I fall. I don't think he's the second coming. I don't think that he's a, a elite quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. We haven't, we aren't saying anything new here that we haven't already said. I will say, just to mix it up a little bit, I think Joe Mixon is pretty freaking overrated. I think Joe Mixon is just a volume merchant. He's averaged like four yards per attempt consistently. I don't really see what he does as a, at a high level out there. I think he just gets a whole lot of touches. And, uh, you know, people love fantasy. So if he's going to get his 1,100 yards every year, that's fine. But it's not like he's explosive. I don't think he has great vision. He just gets the ball a lot. Bet you didn't expect a little Joe Mixon hate here, did you? And he's a violent guy. All right, basketball. This is also from Ian. Who's your favorite low-key player in the league? Set the criteria to name is not recognized to be a lock by casual fans. His is Trey Murphy. Good choice. I love Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy's awesome, man. Uh, I got a lot of guys I want to give brief shout-outs to. Uh, Pacers, Aaron Neesmith, and Andrew Nemhard. Uh, I once said, Great choices. I once said Aaron Neesmith is there. Uh, I feel very disrespectful <laughs> for having done that. The guy's stupid efficient. He takes good shots. He's an elite shooter. Nemhard, 
Uh, I just think Nemhard gets slept on because he's behind Halliburton. I mean, Nemhard's a legitimately good point guard. Uh, the, the point guard rotation. in TJ Indiana. McConnell, shout out a third pace. Exactly, bro. Uh, shout out Avita Zubac. I think with all the star power in LA, I think Zubac kind of gets overlooked. He is a key cog of that team. Uh, Ayo Desonmu uh, with the Chicago Bulls, I think is just a great all around glue guy point guard. Like I don't know if he's ever going to be an elite guy, but I just think he does winning things on the basketball court. Uh, Marcus Sasser, I think toiling away in Detroit, was an awesome second-round pick. But the guy I'm going to give a shout-out to is Keegan Murray of my Kings. Keegan this year, I I didn't know about the pick. You know, I I didn't know what exactly we were getting in Keegan. I thought his skill set was kind of redundant with Harrison Barnes, just guys that were going to space the floor, you know, do little wing things. Keegan's an elite defender. I think I would have Keegan on my all-defense team at this point in the season. Like, he is somebody that Sacramento needs to get through the West. You think about all the elite wing talents, Kawhi, LeBron, uh, Kevin Durant. You know, in hypothetical matchups in the playoffs, Keegan Murray is going to play a key role. And I'm not saying he's going to shut down or slow these guys down, but he's been a phenomenal defender this season. And I think, I don't know, not a lot of people are talking about Keegan, man. Keegan's having an awesome season. He just lit up... Uh, he made like 11 or 12 threes the other night, too. Keegan had a career night. Uh, Keegan's awesome, and I was really skeptical about him coming into this year. He's really impressed me. Uh, Carson, why is yours Sam Merrill? <laughs> Sam Merrill does fire me up, bro. I love a dude who can just shoot the pill like that. He's doing Duncan Robinson stuff. When Duncan Robinson emerged, it's actually really similar. If you think about the path... You know, unheralded white boys. Robinson was undrafted. Merrill was Mr. Irrelevant. And then they pop up in this situation and turns out they're sheer shooting as a weapon. But no, he's not my favorite. You honestly named a lot of my favorites, a lot of the dudes who I love. I will say I mentioned Dante DiVincenzo earlier in this episode. I don't know if now because of the Knicks, he's too big time to be on a list like this. But I love the guy. I guess if Trey Murphy's on this list. Shout Shout out to boy Hardenstein, man. Hartenstein, dude, I I love the Knicks supporting cast. Josh Hart, by the way, is another dude whose game I've always loved. He just makes winning plays. There's a lot of rosters up and down. Terrence Mann, I've always loved for the Clippers. Yeah, there's a bunch of dudes who who do the little things, who make that multifaceted impact. I also love good passers. If I can find good passers, that's something that I enjoy. Like That's why TJ McConnell, for me, to years, has has been fun to watch. He can shoot for mid-range. Aesthetically, I love good mid-range games, and he can play make. And then, of course, there's dudes like Malik Monk has been my guy from the jump. And I guess he's no bigger a name than Trey Murphy, probably. Just electric. Oh, my God, what a bucket. What a beautiful mover, shooter. The playmaking this year has been just, uh, Logan, to use your language, erotic. It really has. So there's a bunch of dudes who uh, could get a shout-out there. I just mentioned, though, that I love passing. This one comes to us from D. Flad. Is big man passing better than ever? One word answer I think is acceptable here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I really don't think it's close. Like, there have been eras where we've had multiple good passing bigs. Uh, You have two of them on the early 2000 Kings, C-Web and Vlade. That's super fun. The 70s, Walton was amazing. Kareem was pretty good. You have Sam Lacey and Alvin Adams in there. You have Sigma in the late 70s, early 80s. Like, there's always been good passing bigs. There have never been dudes uh, or this many dudes at the least who are like the playmaking hubs of their offense Sabonis, Shangun, Jokic that's not including the conventional just like good passing bigs like Steven Adams and Hartenstein 
there's a whole bunch of dudes who can spot cutters and run handoffs and stuff. And then there's dudes who it's like, all right, you run through them almost every possession and you trust their decision-making and passing. That's never been the case before. I was in an Instagram comment section the other day. Probably not the spot you want to go for uh, no. uh, anything, really. You're not no, going to find there. sludge. Uh, somebody was debating if Marcus Gasol was a Hall of Famer, and I saw somebody say, uh, one, a Hall of Fame lock, obviously, for the Basketball Hall of Fame, but two... They go, yeah, man. He had Jokic. He had Jokic level passing no. and Gobert level defense. And it, it's the craziest thing it, people do. It, it accrued so many likes, and I was just absolutely disgusted. And that was exactly what I was going to say. Is it's like, yeah, man. I mean, Gasol was running DHOs, and you know, he's spotting cutters and doing little stuff. He's I mean, a good basic yeah, passer. Exactly. Everybody's done that. And then it just. To compare every big man who ever had an assist to Jokic is just so dumb. Like, we, you do not take for granted what Jokic, what Embiid can do, what these guys can. Like you said, there's always been special passers at all sizes throughout NBA history, but it's elite now. And again, considering how the, how dominant those guys are as scorers, it's a different level of playmaking because they just they, they create a different level of attention from the defense. Dude, there is nothing more silly. And yet, for some reason, like people embrace it, then lionizing these past players who were good, yeah, man, but weren't that great. Like, bro, people will be like, Gilbert Arenas, bro, you didn't see him back in his day. He had Steph shooting with LeBron's athleticism. No, he didn't. Like, just settle down, settle down. Jokic is passing, bro. That's a one of one thing in NBA history. One of one. Marcus Saul was a very good passing big for a long time. There are like not even multiple tiers. There are dozens of tiers of all-time passing. Jokic is alongside Magic LeBron. as the yeah. greatest passer ever. Marcus Saul is, you know, he's like, hey, Jack Sigma, do you mind if I enter the club for, you know, third-tier solid passing big specifically? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But yes, big man passing is better than ever, absolutely. We've never seen this many bigs utilized in the way that they are today and capable of doing these things. And of course, big man ball handling being better than ever is a part of that too. Big man fluidity guys just at a bigger size, being more skilled than ever before. All of these things, uh, complement each other. It's just the skill evolution in basketball. All right. Leesus asks, what's our prediction for the commanders with the hiring of Dan Quinn and them having the second overall pick? Commanders win four to five games next season. Washington's screwed, man. Washington is uh, screwed. Dan Quinn was probably my least favorite coach uh, in the coaching cycle. Yeah, um, same. I mean, I don't know why you go with him when guys like uh, Vrabel are available. Vrabel. Um, even if you have to give up the entire keys to your franchise, I'm getting Bill Belichick. I think that put asses in seats. You know what I mean? Like... Belichick at least does something tangible for you. I don't even get. I don't even care if I have to give up general manager control. You've had a tyrannical douchebag and Dan Snyder running your franchise for the past thirty years. I'll gladly turn over the keys to the greatest coach of all time. But no, let's give it to Dan Quinn, man. What has Dan Quinn done outside get forty pieced in the playoffs? I think it was the worst coaching hire uh, of this offseason. Typical Washington Commanders move, and with the second overall pick. I would probably take Drake May, and I think that's a great pick. And I would cross my fingers, uh, hope that he's the guy, and I would invest. Well, that's the thing, man, is you can get Drake May, but if you don't get him an offensive coordinator and you don't get him an offensive line, he's probably going to be running for his life back there. Uh, that's where all of my resources are going in this offseason, getting an offensive line for Drake May and getting Drake May. Yeah, 
I love May. I think if they take Jaden Daniels over him, as somebody who watched Jaden Daniels is going to cover it as you, dude, he'll get killed. There's just a different level of arm talent, and there's a different level of pocket presence there, in my opinion, with Drake May, who then also he is a playmaker. He has yeah. that playmaking gene. He's not going to scramble like Jaden. Jaden's crazy fast, but. In the NFL, I would rather have the dude who is elite pocket passer with legit creation outside the pocket than guy who is more dependent uh, specifically on rushing ability and is, you know, okay in the pocket, okay arm talent. I think it would be a mistake if they passed on May. I do not like the Dan Quinn hire. I thought that once he lost out on the Seattle job, that was kind of it because that was always the rumor. I thought, okay. Getting flambéed like that in the playoffs put old Danny Boy's dreams to bed. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. It's not just that Vrabel's out there. Ben Johnson is out there. Like, there's so many good coordinators to uh, go with Dan Quinn. I just don't get it. I don't get it. So I don't like that. All right. Would you bet on a tiger or a hippo in a fight? Asks Papa Planet. Uh, I'm going to answer this uh, with a caveat. It depends on the size of the hippo. If it's a baby, mm, okay. if it's a no, baby, let's hippo, presume it's a it's a standard adult hippo. Oh, I don't think we need raps. to put any asterisks in. Give that. me the hippo. Yeah. I don't like the tigers messing with the hippo. That's like the hippo is going to have like five to ten times the weight. Give me the weighted. Like I just don't think the tigers messing with the big boy, yeah. man. It's like it's like running into a big dude at a bar, man. It's like man, don't mess with it. You're gonna get knocked out, little man. Yeah, it's like running into a big dude at the bar who weighs 4,000 pounds. That yeah. ever happened to you? You see one of those 4,000-pound <laughs> guys who can run 35 dudes. miles an hour in a straight line, and he likes to sit in water with just his eyes above the water level a lot? Yeah, I hate running into those guys. It's got to be the hippo. For a second, I thought, like, maybe it depends on the environment, but the, the sheer power, bro— the one thing that I will say is when you're looking at quick twitch athleticism, tigers have a massive advantage. Because, like, hippos are fast. They are fast. That 35-mile-an-hour stat is real. But it, they're straight-line fast. They're just too big, right? They don't necessarily have that fluidity in the hips. Uh, and so maybe, you know, you could see a little bit of a juking-around game from the tiger forcing the hippo to change directions. But still, I don't know how tough... The outer layer of skin is for hippos, but looks pretty tough. I don't think you're easily puncturing that. I don't think on one one leap and bite you're getting that. So I think it's a hippo. And if it's in water, it's over, over. I think we should revisit the Washington Commanders question. Uh, I think with the second overall pick, they should draft a hippo and stick yeah. him at D-tackle. Oh my god, that would just lead to so many deaths. I The thing with hippos is... I feel like it's not fun anymore to be like, did you guys actually know that hippos are like the most dangerous animal on the planet? Five years ago, I feel like that was like a revelation, but now everybody knows hippos are killers. dude. Mm -hmm. They're killers. They're nightmare fuel. Despite the fact that you want a hippopotamus for Christmas, that's like wishing for death under the Christmas tree. Is a hippopotamus just a really cool hippopotamus? Nice. Nice. Thanks. Dude. Thanks, man. I'm going to work that one into your stand up set. Oh man. All right. Who wins at a boxing match, asks Noodles, Carson or Logan? I'm going to keep it a stack, y'all. Carson's slumping my ass, man. Like, reach advantage. It's sort of like a, it's a hippo versus dude, a tiger. Height, <laughs> height advantage, reach advantage, weight advantage. Dude, Carson's knocking me out. Now, I think he's got a good heart. I got a good heart, too. I'd never. I, I, I would never I, do I, it. I would never fight my boy. I love him. But, uh, yeah. dude, it's going to be like, it's going to be two hits. Carson hitting me, me hitting the floor. It's wraps, bruh. I would never, I would never put my hands on Logan, guys. 
If it came to that, though, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I think that I would win. But, you know, Logan's got some dog in him, so maybe he brings in a shiv or the something. The Baker Mayfield? And, and... I bring in the Baker Mayfield last <laughs> I was thinking more unconventional methods, like, you know, some sort of uh, weapon. But, yeah. All right. K54 asks, does Trey Young deserve to be traded over DeJounte Murray? We mean deserved, like free trade. <laughs> I presume would the Hawks be better off building around no, Dejounte? Is you know, what that means, and, and that's what I think is sucks. Is I think Trey catches a lot of flack for being a really good point guard, and yeah, the fundamental construction and idea of trading for Dejounte Murray was good, right? You get another guard that can pick up for his defensive shortcomings. I just think they're redundant. I think Dejounte's a guy yeah. that is better with the ball in his hands. I mean, he's grown as an off-ball player. I'll give DeJounte a lot of credit there, but I would deal DeJounte. I would see if you could get another first, another... I think we saw it in the playoff run, you know what I mean, with uh, with Kevin Herter, with Red Velvet. Like, really, the ideal guy alongside Trey is just a guy who's going to relocate off ball, find a shot, and, you know, get open. Uh, you know, a bogey, a guy like that. I don't think you need a really great defensive two-guard. I think you should look for that with your wings and on your interior. Uh I would not give up Trey Young. You're going to have to give me a haul if you want Trey Young. Uh, I, I'm 100% dealing DeJounte before him. Yeah, there is always going to be a bit of a paradox with Trey in that he's so good that you don't want to give him up. But he is also a bit difficult to build a contending team around. Not a playoff team. You give him good shooting and play finishing. And if you put a competent defense around him, then he should be able to get you the playoffs. That's the crazy thing to me about this all-star snub. Everybody's saying uh, Trey Young just hasn't shown that he can win games like these guys. Like Paolo, whose team is one game above 500 and has been way better with him off the floor. And they're great because of their defense, which he's just a small part of. Like Julius Randle who was melted down in the playoffs every time. Trey got you to the Eastern Conference Finals. Trey consistently takes teams with med talent to the playoffs at the very least. This has been an ugly year, but I don't put that on Trey. Trey's on pace to be the fourth dude ever to average 27 points and 10 and a half assists per game in a season, Logan. He's not an all-star. He's doing it on solid efficiency. Of course, he's still a bad defender, but I don't think that he is the same, like, biggest defensive liability in the league kind of guy that he has been up until this season. He's been playing with more effort. He's still always going to have limitations that individually he can't overcome, but you can probably put a good team defense around Trey Young if you, you know, have really good guys at the other spots. And it's always going to be tough to win a title with a dude who is so ball dominant. He needs to embrace playing off the ball more, but like those are the things that could put him into those number one on a title team kind of conversations where I don't think he is yet. He needs to make adjustments. He needs to grow and maybe he never does, but he's just in a different tier as a player than DeJounte. And also uh, kind of because of how much of a one man system Trey is, DeJounte is always going to be the easier guy to talk other teams into trading too. Cause if you're a good team looking to add a star player, you'd probably rather have a guy who fits in. If you have your star perimeter creator, like a guy who you believe is your number one, then maybe you don't want Trey Young. So I think DeJounte is the guy to move for a number of reasons. Uh, Azazel asks, who do you guys think will be the true face of the league after Steph, KD, LeBron? It seems like the NBA is fully invested in those three guys with no plans for the future once they stop producing with historic longevity. I don't think you need to worry about it. I think the NBA is so star-studded now that they're just going to naturally happen. Like, I mean... the Thousand faces. The the new guys are already here. I mean, it's happening as we speak. That's like asking, hey, man, what's going to happen when Tom Brady and Peyton retire and Drew Brees and Big Ben and the old guard is gone? Well, guess what? 
We got Patrick Mahomes. We got Josh Allen. We got Justin Herbert. We got the new crop. They're there. That's what's happening with the NBA. We got Giannis. We got Jokic. It's already, it's happening before our faces. You know what I mean? We don't have to wait for these guys to leave. Like, I still think that LeBron and Steph are the faces of the league, but right as those guys exit, it's going to be like an Indiana Jones situation. You know, when he uh, tips the head, it's going to be right in, man. You're not even going to realize that anything changed. You know, I think it's just happening right in front of our faces, and the league really is so deep and so talented. That's not even mentioning a guy like Wemby. Like, if I had to pick a face, I'd probably say it's going to be Wemby, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, the league has so many stars. We are not – we're nowhere near, like, star for star talent. Couldn't agree more. And it's interesting because I don't necessarily view those guys as the faces of the league anymore. I think that there's sort of two coexisting generations of faces. You have the guys who are at the absolute top of the sport, Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, and then you have the guys who are still top 10 players, but they're all-time legends, so maybe they are still the biggest draw. LeBron, I think, is clearly still the biggest draw in the sport. I swear that 40% of all basketball fans are just LeBron fans, so he's always going to have a different level of influence, but it's not like week-to-week storylines are dictated by those guys in the same way that they were a half decade ago. And they're not the best players in the NBA week to week consistently. They still get to that special level, but I mean, Steph, KD, maybe, but LeBron picks his spots and none of them are touching what like Nikola Jokic does at this point. So I think the league has a bunch of dudes. SGA is phenomenal. Book is phenomenal. Tatum is great. Like, and Wemby is the guy who I think they're pushing. Think about all the <laughs> attention that Wemby got from the media as a whole, but specifically how much the NBA was pushing him. NBA social media. Oh, look at how Wemby stretches. Oh, here's what Wemby has to say about this. Oh, Wemby's actually a nerd. He loves Brandon Sanderson books and he reads every night and is in bed by 10 p.m. Like they want it to be Wemby and Wemby has that potential, but I think that he's going to be part of a, a generation that has multiple faces. By the way, most of whom are international. And I know that that's maybe a concern because people are like, oh, how do you market those guys in the same way? Maybe they can't meet, reach a LeBron or Steph level of superstardom, but there's going to be so many great players and the level of basketball, I think, will speak for itself. And the NBA knows how to market their stars. It's not like baseball where they just don't. And it's not like the NFL where the team brand is always going to supersede the individual brand stars are what the nba does and they've got plenty to work with we talked about wemby how many years until the spurs are contenders asks tim anderson denier i'd give them two to three years before i think they're real contenders one i think it's just going to take wemby getting better i mean we've already seen him getting better like i think that I think Wemby's a really good number one. It's going to be about finding the complimentary guys that really fit alongside him. And the Spurs just filling out this roster. They need more defensive wings. Uh, they need more veterans. They need they need everything. Really, Wemby's kind of their only. Like, yeah, they're I, ten and thirty eight. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I really don't know if I couldn't say with confidence that anybody on this roster outside of Wemby is still going to be here in two to three years. You know what I mean? And I would accelerate it to the point where you know you probably hold on to a couple of these young guys. But I'm making moves to. Make this team competitive, man. I think Wemby is a Wemby's good enough to this point where he could get a, a good team to the playoffs now. Um or or close. The West is deep though, man. That's yeah. 
It's kind of hard to think about. I, I'd give them two to three years, and I think the Spurs are there, but it has way more to do with their roster construction, finding out what pieces work with Wemby than anything else. Yeah. It's almost tough to say because I do think the roster is going to look so different. I would put Vassell in that same group with Wemby where I think he's – I'm very confident that he's going to be there. They've invested in him. He's progressing as you would like. He fits naturally on a contending team with that multifaceted impact. But I think two to three years even is ambitious. That doesn't really happen because A, being that overwhelmingly great as a – third year guy Wemby or as a fourth year guy even it's just rare we talk about it with Paolo who's in his second year of course but how special his tools are but as an overall impact winning guy he's still got a ways to go even Ant who is insanely good in his fourth year now you're like is he good enough to consistently carry you through a multiple round playoff run it just takes time to mature and that's not even accounting for the fact that this entire Spurs team is young and has so far to go. And Wemby has taken a massive leap midseason. That rookie of the year conversation, I think, was really interesting for a while, and now it's not. Now I think that Wemby has run away with it. He's just playing at a phenomenal level every single night. But there's still stuff, right? The consistency is a shooter. He's going to grow into his frame more. I think he can still get more polished as a ball handler and playmaker. All of these things. It's going to take years. And... Uh, It'll really be dependent on how urgent they are treating things. Like, when do you make that move for a star guy? Or do you try to build through the draft consistently? Those factors are going to determine. Either way, I think that we're a few seasons away. But Wemby will get you there. Wemby's, Wemby's special. He's delivering. Okay, Luke Caprio asks, with Embiid essentially out of the MVP race, with that torn meniscus now, of course, a bummer. What does Shea have to do to beat out Jokic? I think Shea would have to win the West. I think that's kind of the only yeah. way that this happens. Uh, let me ask you, Carson, does the Nuggets, the Nuggets have the better complete roster, correct? Like if you take out their best guy? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. Like, whose core, if you I think the out, Nuggets have the better roster, yeah. Does that factor into this to you at all? Well, I think it's complicated because the Nuggets have the more talented overall roster. Or maybe not more talented because when you think about what OKC can be. But better right now because they have full-grown men up and down the roster. OKC also plays with a different kind of effort every night in the regular season, up and down the roster. Like those dudes just bust their asses. So when you're looking at the individual impact, maybe it isn't necessarily about that. But also SGA busts his ass every single night. And there are some nights, not a lot. I don't want to paint it like he's LeBron in the regular season or anything close to that. But there are some nights where Jokic is just like, eh, all right, I'm just going to do enough. I'm just going to do enough tonight. SGA approaches basically every game like I'm leaving it all out there. I think he's, and see, like, even that, like, I don't, even if SGA won the West, I don't know if it would be enough for me to, just because I do think that there's just different levels of, of impact. Like, Jokic is rebounding, how he can dominate the glass. Jokic's playmaking is still on another level. Um, I think the Thunder would have to convincingly win the West, and I don't know. I, I still don't know if that would be enough to outpace Jokic. Like, I really do think Jokic is just head and shoulders is the best player in the league right now. He is, to me, clearly the best player in the league. No question about that. 
But I think that if the Thunder win the West, Shea will have a very strong case. And especially if the Nuggets eh, trail off a bit or... Right now, they're the four seed. It's a crazy narrow gap between the one seed and the four seed. It's two games. But seeding, specifically, will get used as an argument in the MVP race, sometimes more so than record. And the precedent that was very strong with every single year the guy wins is a top two seed. It's not necessarily a 58-win team. It's a top two seed, right? AI can win in 01 because he's a top two seed in a shitty East. So... I can see that mattering. I think that that's the path. I think that SGA is going to hold up his individual level, which is just disgusting, bro. Like 31, 6, and 6, playing awesome defensively on 65% true shooting for a team that is winning a whole bunch of games. Awesome on off numbers. And I think that Jokic is just going to keep doing what he does. So it would be a really fun race between the two of them. I think that team success is going to be the argument for Shea because then people will also, of course, bring in the novelty factor. Everybody loves the new MVP on the block. Nobody loves giving a guy his third MVP in fourth years. So SGA will always have that advantage. He doesn't necessarily have to be better, Logan. He really just has to be arguably better. And then I think a lot of those mechanisms will start to work in his favor. But he's having an incredible season. My goodness. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new natural hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the natural hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the natural hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. This is Jeff T. from the Club 520 Podcast. You'll know when you get it. It'll say eBay. Authenticity. Guarantee. You'll feel it. Because when it comes to your feet, eBay has your back. Maybe it's that head-turning pair of for hooping or a hot new collab. Whatever you're after. When you cop on eBay, you can trust that your kicks will be checked by experts, not just any expert. Sneaker experts who live and breathe the culture. Real people with real hands-on authentication experience. That's when Blue Checkmark represents on our listing. eBay Authenticity Guarantee, meaning every inch, stitch, sole, logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. So when you finally step into those grill kicks, you'll realize the feeling is unlike any other. And with eBay Authenticity Guarantee, the feeling of real is always within reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Last question from Mega Chronicle 2.0. 30 seconds left with no timeouts. Starting on their own 10-yard line. Crazy situation. Who are you taking in the clutch, Brady or Mahomes? Taking Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's a different level of physical ability and talent with Patrick Mahomes. And I think that Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes have the exact same innate quality that makes them great. It's the Michael Jordan factor. It's that they 
want to be great. They have this innate discipline, this desire, this motivation, this, you know, you could put Brady in, Brady would have been the greatest cook ever. You know, I think Michael Jordan. Hooper. You know what I mean? Whatever it was going to be, they had that level of... Flamenco dancer. Yeah, like, you could put them in anything, and they were going to be successful. The difference between Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes is the arm talent. Mahomes' dad was was an MLB pitcher. Mahomes is genetically engineered to be the greatest QB of all time. You add in the arm difference, which I think, again, Mahomes has the greatest arm of all time. You add in the fact that he has... Legit scrambling ability. And again, in a 30-second scenario, I don't know how much that matters, but play extension. Could matter. Like, it's a different level of physical tools. And I don't know if Brady would be the second guy that I pick. I might take Aaron Rodgers over Brady in that situation. And the only reason I say that is I've seen Rodgers. Rodgers throws the prettiest Hail Mary ever. Very true. That matters to me in the scenario. Um, you know, so I, I don't know if Brady would be... I don't know if Brady would be the guy. I would, I, I would probably take Mahomes, and I would take Rodgers... Those would be the two guys I would take, and then maybe Brady. But Mahomes and Rodgers are one and two to me because of the play extension, the arm ability, and damn, man, Rodgers throws the most beautiful Hail Mary uh, I've ever seen. So those would be the two guys that I would take in that scenario. Patrick Mahomes went 40-something yards in 13 seconds. Yeah, man. Against my Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. That's as close a simulation to this situation on those stakes as you can get. I would take Mahomes too, dude. And it's what you said. Like, of course, Brady is the most proven winner in the history of the NFL. But Mahomes is every bit on that trajectory. It is more specifically about him, the chief success. And he's as clutch as they come. Patrick Mahomes is always going to put the pressure on you as an offense to lead that game-winning drive if you get the chance. And if you give him the chance to put you away, he's going to do it. We've just seen it too many times across situations but especially in the playoffs the guy just dials in he is every bit that all-time clutch competitor while having the greatest physical tools ever i think you laid out the exact formula that's no disrespect to brady that's just coming up second to the best to ever do it that's what mahomes is he's the boat (laughs) he's the boat all right that was a lot of fun you guys appreciate all of your questions if you want more nerd sesh content you can always listen to the podcast across all audio platforms. You can check out our YouTube page, where, as I mentioned, we both have had some video essays go up recently and full shows go there with video. You can follow us across social, TikTok at NerdSesh, Instagram at NerdSesh, Twitter at Nerd underscore Sesh if you want to be able to participate in the next mailbag or just see our thoughts. Logan and I, of course, have our own personal Twitters as well. And you can check out some Nerd Sesh merch. We got the flags behind us. Logan's got the hat on. We got shirts. We got hoodies. All that at thevolume.com. You can also join our Discord. That is at the link tree across our social media bios. And you will also find the link to our merch there. So with that, as always, appreciate you guys. I have been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.